All right, so transitioning over to our other cool poll quiz thing. <laughs> um, so here is a, a Slido. Uh, if you have a separate device, go ahead and scan in that QR code. If you're bringing it up in another browser, um, you can go to slido.com and type in this, this code here. So we'll give it just a couple minutes as people do that. So there's just three kind of poll questions to kind of get us started about organized sports. Right. So, and you'll always be able to, to join if you're just a little bit behind still uh, joining in there. So <laughs> here's a, a hot button topic, right? Since it just happened, which I didn't even realize that it <laughs> was last week. Uh, it was after the fact <laughs> everybody was gone and I was like, where is everybody? And it was the Super Bowl. <laughs> so is watching the Super Bowl or any sporting event breaking the Sabbath? Yes, no, or only if you do it on the Sabbath. And if you're still joining here at the side, you can scan the QR code or uh, go to that website and enter in the uh, the Slido code there. All right, so yes, so far, <laughs> uh, we've got four people that have responded, but um, yeah, it's kind of an interesting one, right? Uh, I find that that's kind of a, a blind spot for, for lots of people, but... Wait, what's the question? What's the difference between yes and only if you do it on the Sabbath? Uh, so yes means even if you watch the Super Bowl during the week. Um, so like maybe you don't watch it on the Sabbath, but you still watch it during the week. Is that considered breaking the Sabbath? Because I've heard it both ways. Yeah, I don't know. I've just kind of been disen disenchanted with the, <laughs> the sports in general, so... Uh huh. Yep. Yeah, I could. I could probably care less. So, <laughs> yeah. I'll just say only if you do it on the Sabbath. Why not? Yep. <laughs> uh, how do I? How do I do that? Uh huh. So if you've got the the poll open on either a device or uh, on uh, a, another browser, there you'd be able to choose one of those three options. Okay. Well, uh, I don't know where the poll is. It it's all good. Just continue uh -huh. without me. Yeah, you're good. But yeah, so uh, doing it only on the Sabbath there. All right. And then the next one. So uh, this is just entering in a word or or a simple phrase here. But what are some ways that sports can be good? So not just uh, narrowing it down to organized sports, but just, just sports in general. Kind of like our icebreaker question of um, what's your favorite physical activity or sport kind of thing. What are some ways that sports can be good and, and productive? some good ones in there exercise because yeah <laughs> like on the mission for example it was always so necessary to to exercise and uh sometimes get frustrations out or um uh, just kind of coping with with different things uh, breath work yes uh it's so important that that breath work and i think exercise uh, physical activity um is one of the the major ways to to practice that workmanship caring for physical body working out differences yeah i love that all right so um and you're still able to, if you've got the the quiz pulled up or whatever you're still able to answer these questions after the fact too so this next one on a scale of one to ten one being completely innocent versus ten completely obsessed and idolatrous how idolatrous would you rank average church members' participation in sports? All right, we're in the, the high brackets here, aren't we? 
Yeah, very interesting. Uh, sometimes I, I wonder that some of the other book club moderators uh, want to have more discussion on the Isaiah Institute uh, Facebook group. But I find that any of these questions, I would love to know like a general consensus with lots more people uh, kind of seeing uh, their answers to these, but it might kind of get a little heated. Sometimes Facebook frights break out. <laughs> but can we, can we talk about mm -hmm. how church institutions encourages this? Yeah, exactly. Right. Like I not trying to, you know, bash leaders and, and different things, or, but there's like church ball, church basketball, right? Like we encourage it and we know that it gets violent <laughs> and yet we just laugh it up to a good joke sometimes. <laughs> oh, well, I'm kind of thinking about church schools. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and the sporting events that all happen. Yeah. It... And well, although, the, sorry, but the BYU, BYU football coach is like the highest paid in the church. Oh, really? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, what was, I think, last time I checked, was a few, which was like a few years ago, it was like 800,000 bucks. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, so, I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, I was just going to say that, um, although we don't play on Sunday, you know, they forfeit any games that are on Sunday. Like, like you said, the reason why in my opinion, the reason why we have BYU football or any other sports is because it's a moneymaker. And so it goes back to a few weeks ago when mm -hmm. we talked about money. Yeah, it, it's a very tricky subject with the majority of the church, right? Like you just can't bring that up in Sunday school. <laughs> and it's a moneymaker and you know it because the coach is the highest paid, right? They can afford to pay him that. Because he brings in the money. Look mm -hmm. at the stadiums. It's always full. And people will travel long yep. distances. Um, they play Baylor. Baylor is about an hour and a half. And my husband went to BYU. So we don't really watch sports in our home. But it was something they he and my son did as a bonding. But <clears throat> um, families from where we used to live eight hours away south traveled up here to go to the game hmm. you know so i'm just saying i know that people travel to go to away games too yeah it, it's quite the interesting world we we live in and and how much it is accepted and glorified and and everything so kind of taking a look at, at what we're reading today with the the jews um during various different stages, but uh, mostly with the, the Hellenization period up till um, actual destruction and everything. So we have Greek and Roman influences here. That Hellenization really uh, did a number on them uh, as it's slowly being accepted. Uh, to what degree can we Hellenize and still maintain our ritual purity? Um, which is an excellent class at Education Week. <laughs> that was the first time that I ever heard the, the word Hellenization. And that class just rocked my world. I was like, oh my gosh, we're doing the exact same thing. We're going to be under the same condemnation. And so, um, yeah, I just kind of posing that question out. To what degree can we Hellenize, you know, be in the world, but not of the world and still maintain our ritual purity? How would you answer that question if somebody was genuinely asking you uh, for your opinion on that. To what degree can we Hellenize and still maintain ritual purity? That's a tough one. <laughs> it was it asked of me last weekend. Um, we were in primary and the music leader's husband's in the bishopric. And she's like, we have to go to a Super Bowl party today at mother-in-law's house. And they're super active temple workers, missionaries. But they were having a Super Bowl party, and she's like, I don't want to go, but all the family will be there. What do I do? Oh. I said, just go eat and then go home. And just, you know, but she says, my boys love sports. I said, oh, I wouldn't do it. I was just <laughs> honest. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah. If, if there's a genuine person asking for an opinion and stuff, I would handle that in a totally different way than I, I would just in general Sunday school. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> we, we've never done sports and we did soccer when the kids were little and then we moved to Mexico and that wasn't our level of playing <laughs> or, or parental involvement. We just kind of did it for fun, for the teamwork, for the work, you know, yeah. working out differences, those kind of things, exercise. But um, our third son got into hockey and he got the, the fourth son and our daughter into hockey and they do love hockey. Um, so, and they would watch it all the time. And then what I noticed happened was suddenly for the first time ever in our marriage, we're watching the Super Bowl. And we had kind of a family room and then a great room. And I was in the great room and the kids were in the family room back behind it. And my husband joined them and I just didn't, I just didn't. And it was like, I can't, I can't be mad at them because they're on their own path and they have their agency, but I just need to do my own thing. And I think the next year the Super Bowl came on and my husband watched for a little bit and then left. And um, anyway, it was just those two youngest kids that turned it on. The third one was already out of the house, but um, yeah, it was kind of interesting. And now we don't really have the sports on in the home. And I don't know if the kids do. I know my daughter married a guy that's totally into sports. So I don't know what they do, but it's always a tricky thing um, because it is something like my husband and my son traveling down to Waco to go watch BYU. I mean, it is kind of a bonding thing. Is there a difference between using it as bonding and, you know, just being Hellenistic? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you open up the door? to just a little evil is not going to be that bad you know yeah that's a tricky question i, I don't tricky. know and there are good things that come from sports it's um it's the over over the top and oh my gosh where we used to live in texas sports was huge well texas texas sports are huge that's why you had yeah. friday night <laughs> right I have friends that go to the high school football games that don't even have kids in high school, but the kid, the school were horrible and everybody made fun of us for homeschooling, even the seminary teacher whose husband was the state president. And, um, she would kind of ridicule my kids and, but all the kids would say, we don't learn anything at school. We only go for the sports. Mm -hmm. And the parents would say the same thing, you know, like the sports are so good. We can't pass it up. And yet they just, in my opinion, traded their education for sports. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, a tricky one <laughs> to, to navigate. Because there are some things that, that we do have like bonding times over or, or ways to connect with other people that we just normally wouldn't. But um, yeah, to what degree do you, do you Hellenize and, and go with the flow? Um, so kind of taking the example that's uh, in this chapter, right, where they they start having all of these gymnasiums and stadiums and, and things coming in, um, you know, some of the <laughs> craziness of uh, what the Jews are experiencing is that many Jews wanted to participate in these games, but since they were nude games, they had, uh, they would be distinguished because the males were circumcised, right? They, everybody would know you were a Jew. And so many of them were reversing their covenantal circumcision in order to participate in the games. And they would drag their family and parents to come watch and, and everything. It's like, <laughs> you, you can see like the, the uh, far, uh, not right wing or whatever, but I mean, how bad it can get, but there's degrees to that, you know, right? Like, yeah, give an inch and then it ends up taking a mile kind of a, a principle there, but anyway so is it like everything else that it's okay it's just the idolatry mm -hmm. yeah like the, when the it becomes problem. yeah when it becomes an idol more important than god mm -hmm. i don't know 
Yeah. And so I think that that's where Avraham comes in here, naming the the chapter and specifically calling out organized sports, because I don't know if there's any redeeming quality to organized sports. <laughs> it's a, quite a interesting play because every single aspect, I was trying to, to just analyze organized sports in, in general, right? Um, the attire, the the mood and the attitude of uh, competition, you know, uh, Elder Holland's talk that we check our religion at the door kind of thing. Um, the like Super Bowl, one of the the biggest events for traffic tra child trafficking, um, the celebratory parties and and everything, the the violence. Can we talk about the halftime show. <laughs> halftime ridiculousness. How did we ever get started with this? But yeah, it, every single aspect of it is bad. But yet when we kind of scale it back, high school sports and, and different things, and even, you know, doing peewee soccer or anything like that, is that bad? Well, I don't know. It, it's all about kind of personal revelation and seeking that to, to a degree, right? I don't know. <laughs> it's an interesting one. It seems like that um, after a team wins, you know, a Super Bowl or something like that, and they return home, mm -hmm. that there's a lot of violence that goes on uh, in that celebratory condition there. It gets really out of hand sometimes. Isn't that the worst day for, like, collectively, a domestic violence happening that day? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, with U.S. statistics and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I haven't been keeping up on the chat. Sorry. Um, let's see. So like uh, Coda says that today is kind of similar to the circumcision. Most pro athletes can't complete unless they've got the injection. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> right there's one of them. Very interesting, right? Um, Halftime shows are rituals to Satan and casting of spells like a hundred percent and yet we're pretty blind to it right like i don't know why we're blind to it but now that you know i've tried to really cold turkey split myself off from babylon kind of thing watching the english commonwealth games where they bring that bull out and they're praying yeah. to it, everything, and i'm like how in what way is this normal like this isn't just regular theater <laughs> this is like <laughs> Pure. But when you bring that up, people to members of the church, they do, oh, oh no, crazy. it's not, or yeah. I don't really watch that, or I yeah. just watch the Super Bowl for the commercials or whatever. Like, why? So now you're watching the Super Bowl for the commercials. That's commercialism, right? I mean, it's still whatever excuse. It's just and it's light mindedness, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. In, in light of the, the light-mindedness, let me bring up the 1828 dictionary entry for sport, because I found this very interesting. I wanted to see what sport would mean kind of back in, in Joseph Smith's time. So, sorry, that which diverts or makes merry, uh, to play, game, diversion, also mirth, the word signifies both the cause and the effect to which produces mirth. And um, what is mirth? <laughs> Someone yeah. help me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's look that up really quick because that's going to be crucial to, to do this other. So mirth is social merriment or hilarity, high excitement of pleasurable feelings in company, noisily gaiety, jollity. So basically loud laughing <laughs> that we're commanded or yeah, I guess it's not anymore, but um and it diverts so yeah. what is it and that was my first question what does it divert you from well we all know yeah right exactly so um the second definition is mock or mockery contemptuous mirth so they're making sport at someone uh, making fun of um the third one that which one plays or which is driven about um uh to fitting leaves the sport of every wind I don't know if that's pretty foreign to us in modern English. Um, to play an idle jingle, uh, diversion of the field as fowling, hunting, or fishing. Um, so uh, killing just for sport kind of a thing. So I found those very interesting 
because uh, like what Amy said, it's all just a diversion. It's all to escape reality and to, to put all of your investment in, in something else. You know, we, we often gamble uh, when we're involved in, in sports, putting bets on teams and players. Um, like it said in, in chapter six here, that these became household names and uh, everyone knew them and for their uh, repetition or repetition, no, reputation. <laughs> and um, uh, people lose money and I don't know, there's just so much uh, evil with it, but, but diversion, that it's a distraction from what's really important, taking your eye off of God. You know, as you say that, the thought that comes to my mind, um, you know, as we take the sacrament, we, we covenant to take his name upon us. And so many times I've, I've heard, and I believed in, you know, the past says like, oh, well, I mean, you just, you don't think that's possible. And you think maybe, I don't know how, what we say, you know, to kind of like, but, but I think I've, I've heard to where like the general attitude is like, that that's just, it's not possible to literally always remember him. Sorry, that's the one, the phrase I was thinking of. Um, but it's probably, you know, it's a lot more possible than we probably think, but we're just so distracted by, I mean, you just, all this stuff, right? The diversion, the distraction, the light-mindedness, how much time and just that, that distraction keeps us from actually being able to always remember him. Anyways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because when I am partaking in entertainment, I pretty much do it for one thing. It's like something's challenging and I want to turn my brain off and just kind of veg, right? And that's where the Lord has really taken away lots of entertainments from me because it's like, even though there might be some good movie to watch it, it's like no but you're doing it for the wrong purpose it, you're doing it to escape reality and to to just mindlessly do something it, it's not for uh education or or anything like that um there are times when it's like i'll check in with lord okay am i good and i'm not doing this for a bad purpose i'm gonna watch this video so that i can be educated on certain things but that entertainment is, is something that always is creeping up, that mindless, numbing sensation that, that comes with entertainment, especially sports and, and music like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it's, a, it's addictive. It's yeah. once you stop doing it, I mean, you do kind of go through a withdrawal of it. I mm. did. <laughs> yeah. And our technology is getting ever better in ways to kind of snatch us right um like <laughs> youtube is like the the prime example it's such a place of of great knowledge if you're in the right places but there's always some youtube short that's like oh i wonder what that's about it's only going to be like 10 seconds right so you click on it and you're like oh my gosh half an hour later what did i just do <laughs> yeah, the little reels that come up yeah um, you, know, you see they're, one they're very enticing pair walking into someone's house and you're like okay i'm gonna watch that uh -huh. <laughs> and then the next one pops up and then suddenly you're just like what did i just do yeah exactly <laughs> so watching people trim horses hooves and just <laughs> stupid things i always get it with like the cute little kids that are doing something funny or whatever and you're like yeah. oh it's gonna be innocent but then yeah. <laughs> that little kid turns into <laughs> it sucks you in <laughs> 50 reels later and it's like oh crap <laughs> make it stop <laughs> yeah i throw myself one away some days <laughs> <laughs> i know i i'm so close to it Oh, I know, Masa, I remember him always saying, I cannot wait to set my cell phone down on my rear tire and just back over <laughs> and drive away. Yep. <laughs> um, I Just going back to a comment that was made earlier, mm -hmm. Sister Polly, I don't know your first name, I can't remember. Amy. Amy. <laughs> Not Adam. <laughs> Amy. <laughs> Amy, that's right. Um, Amy said about how people gamble, isn't the highest thing that we gamble our souls? Boy. Yeah. yeah. And we don't even realize it. Like we just give that away. Yeah. So easily. That's a, 
That's a beautiful thought. I didn't say the gambling, but that is an incredible. Oh, I thought you did. Who said gambling? Consideration. I can't remember. I thought it was you, Amy. Anyway, I, my first thought was we gamble <clears throat> like our souls, our spirits, and we don't wow. even realize it. Yeah, that's powerful and sad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, one of the the questions that popped in into my head was there on page twenty five. Just let's see, we're three paragraphs in. It says that in Palestine, the only legitimate repudiators of Hellenism, either Jewish or Christian, were the Dead Sea sectaries. By leaving their urban brethren and dwelling apart, they formed an early type of church in the wilderness. Among Christians, however, all ended in apostasy with Hellenism as its chief cause. Both Hellenizers and Jewish sectaries play important roles as historical types proving or providing a pattern for the end time. So, I mean, we're all familiar with call-out scenarios and stories and things, right? But, like, to what degree can we actually leave Babylon behind and and fully escape from it? I don't, I mean, it touches everything. It's, you know, like you said, it, it's in um, even our church education system where we're uh, doing it with sports and everything. It's hard to really be apart from it. Like, some days I'm like, yeah, I just want to go. <laughs> leave my urban dwelling and dwell apart uh, you know that's why i live in malta where i do like how do you guys find that you can leave babylon successfully without totally disrupting your life <laughs> well i, I have want a, to I, I have a i have a comment about church sports or about university sports it's interesting because byu idaho rick's college um, it had sports and they chose to get rid of, of, uh, competitive sports. Oh, wow. And everyone thought, um, that they would lose all their funding, all of their support, uh, that keeps it going. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it has grown. And so it's, it's interesting because there has been talk for a BYU Provo and BYU Hawaii to give up sports. Oh, and really? they said they can't do that because funding for the university themselves would end because there's a lot of money in sports. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of donors to the universities because of sports and they wanna keep sports going. But, but BYU-Idaho, they gave it up and they're stronger than ever. They've grown much more um, since getting rid of sport, organized sports. And yeah. so- What a great example. And they do so do we, intramural we, sports. Pardon? They do intramural sports, but yeah, not- Yeah, but it's like, not, no, no, no. no it's they, totally different. That's different, that's yep. different. And that's the kind and of sports so, I think we were saying is good to do. It's like more of an unorganized- Sports is good, but, but, mm -hmm. What BYU, but BYU Hawaii and BYU Provo are doing is absolutely, I, I, I think it's ridiculous. I, and I think that the support would come. I think that they're fearful that it would stop, but I think it would grow just like BYU Idaho did. Mm -hmm. Yeah kind of proving our faith. Like, are we going to put our, our trust in the arm of flesh or, or actually? Yeah. Cut the ties. And just because BYU, Provo, BYU, Idaho, or Hawaii don't play on Sunday, it's still, it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Anna. Uh, Enrique. Yeah, your hand up. There you go. For me, I'm, um, I have an addiction. Uh, it is uh, the uh, what do you call it? Media, media addiction. So mm -hmm. I can't stop uh, seeing um, films on MediaTek, and uh, the time I I played a lot of uh, video, not video games, but uh, something like Ice and Solitaire, something like this, uh, without uh, giving a lot of money. It was free. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it caught my attention, it caught my heart, it, it was a terrible time and I needed uh, to break, to, to do a break. 
and um, so I did it for a reason and uh, yeah the, the reason was over but I still did it so I had a big fight and um, today I feel like I can handle it I can handle it better so because I can't live without a computer, without a handy, it's not possible. I don't want to live on an island. <laughs> I, would, I would, I would, but I think it's a little bit boring, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and uh, today I ask myself if I take my handy or if I want to uh, watch a movie, why do I want to do it? Is it because I feel alone? Is it because I'm too tired to read the book? Is it uh, something else, you know? And if I find out, um, maybe I feel alone. So I try to, to, to pray to the Lord uh, to help me. And maybe I find another solution for me. And the most important question really is, why do I want to do it? And sometimes I'm sitting in my bed and watching a movie and find out it is a good movie. And it helps me. It, it makes something with me, which is good. And then it's not afford even if i'm addicted you know so and uh, that helps me a lot uh, to get better along with this addiction and to to have an opportunity to handle mm -hmm. yeah i think that's great to to always be asking ourselves why why are we doing anything that we do uh, that's perfect thank you i wanted to share an experience i had the last time we studied the Book of Mormon in Come Follow Me, so what is that? Three three years ago? Yeah, yeah three years ago. Um, we were reading, and remember, um, Ammon, and it was the father of was it the father who was who was it the king? King Moni. It was. It was. Uh, I want to say Lamoni. Is that who it was? It was his father. Yeah. And his father said, I will give away all my sins to know thee. And that I just sat there in Sunday school and I thought about it and I thought, like, I don't really, my sins are more sins of omission than commission, right? <laughs> like I, I need to study my scriptures more. I need to pray more. I need, I'm like, I don't know what sins I have to give away right and then i remembered i love dr pepper <laughs> and i could feel it on my tongue and i won't drink any other soda but dr pepper um i would just do water if they didn't have dr pepper and i didn't want diet or anything i wanted dr pepper i would stop at mcdonald's for dollar doctor they were on every street corner and I remember sitting there and thinking, I would give up Dr. Pepper. And the most amazing thing happened. I would drive past McDonald's and it was like, yeah, no, I don't, like the complete desire was gone, gone. And um, yeah, I was just, it was, it was amazing how the Lord just took that all away. And you hear these stories of people who want to join the church and can't give up smoking and they suddenly do after a blessing or whatever. And, and it was like, I kind of had that, but I didn't even have to have a blessing. I just decided I'm going to give this up for the Lord. And anyway, that's my story. Kind of the same thing. A good one. Yeah, it is a good one. And that's, that's so cool. Like it's showing not that that's going to always be the case, but it does seem to, you know, when your motive is to know the Lord, right? how much strength we can have, you know, to overcome those things. And Dr. Pepper, I mean, seriously, word of wisdom wise, the church says it's not the caffeine, right? So it was just powerful for me that something so little Mm -hmm. was important to me like I was like I will give this up and the Lord said okay let me help you mm -hmm. so just that he's there and willing to help I so, love that yeah anyways I just wanted to share that I shared it a few years ago but 
<clears throat> I wanted to share it again because this mm -hmm. are all new people almost. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got a whole new group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. it <laughs> that's why I like these the the modern idolatry chats. It's almost just like an AA meeting, right? We're just <laughs> just coming, yes. sharing all of our addictions, and like <laughs> getting the help. It does help to examine what you could do different. So, you know. yeah. And you brought up something, Cameron, about how do we. I don't know, you were talking more about in depth about how we, how much of the world, how do we live in the world and not of the world is basically what you were saying. And that was my thought is we're supposed to be a peculiar people. Mm -hmm. So how do we stand out? I know my son grows hair long and his beard and I just, I hated it. His wife loved it. But I looked at him one day and I said, why, when you have the covenant, would you try so hard to look like the world? Like, why do we try to fit in? Why do we follow the fashions? Why do we, all of these things in modern try? And how are we, how do we stand out? And that question is a huge, it's a balancing act because, you know, you can be addicted to scrapbooking and yet, is that something, I mean, like you can do scrapbooking and you can spend all your money on stuff like that, but it is a time where women can get together and do things, but how far do you take it? So how do you, how do you bond with people in a way without making it idolatrous mm -hmm. or making it worldly? Or is there another way to bond with people that is more the Lord's way. Yeah. Even when we go to church functions and we eat sugar and, you know, <laughs> it's all crap food. And that's what we do. So even in the church, we do it that way. If we want people to come, we serve yucky food. <laughs> I love it. Yep. So true. I think that's the question right there is, is there another way? Because I think we, so many of these things like we've talked about they feel very bonding and they can be on a certain level but is is there a higher level you know is there a more uh godly level of mm -hmm. bonding and you know like i just i've kind of pondered on this just kind of this like you know i, I don't know just even even like um ungodly civilizations and people have great feelings of and love and attachment to family and friends and stuff right and it's anyways but is there a higher way and I just think that is where we look you know we the willingness to look at our traditions and our yeah, the, the activities we choose and think, oh, that, you know, it, 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 the, it's good because it is a bonding experience, you know. Anyways, this is just a question that's come to me as I try to look at those things that, you know, um, anyways, just is there, is there a better, higher, more godly way? And what would that bonding look like if we did more of that, right? um instead of bonding on the world's level which i want to interject something that when you said it like we can do it on the world's level but the thought came to my mind in a superficial way ah right so it's not really bonding it's a superficial it's not, feeling maybe right it's not deeper it's not higher it's not holier so it's not even it's a very superficial Thing. Yeah. That's a great point. I love them. Yeah, Christy. Let's see. I think you've got your hand up, right? If you do, it's still muted. Sorry, juggling a bunch of kids. Um, sports. Sports are really tricky. You know, I'm. I'm. Uh, got young kids, and that's. That's. I mean. We, we, we wrestle with this all the time because that's how you connect with people in the community. That's where people base their value on. Um, 
And so it's a really, it's, we've, we've been finding it to be quite a tricky thing to, to balance and what, you know, what is helping them develop their skills and, um, and knowing, you know, how to participate appropriately and being able to move their bodies and be physically fit. And, you know, these are all really big challenges raising, you know, raising children. Um, I, I have a, I have a very unique background in, in this kind of stuff. And um, I, I actually was a BYU athlete um, and um, it, my experience was so uh, dramatic. I actually really struggled with my, at that point in my life, I was so young and, and I hadn't quite you know, differentiate myself and the gospel and the church. Um, it, it, it almost destroyed me, you know, um, uh, from the hypocrisy that I witnessed and um, the, the abuse and the um, just a really, really difficult situation for me. Um, and I ended up giving up my scholarship to walk away from, from that um, situation. And so because I, I came from such a, uh, an intense sport childhood um you know i made fun of now for taking a very different approach of my, my children are not in a lot of you know organized sports um and it, you know we, we take a lot of a lot of schmack because of that and it, because of the fact that i was a byu athlete and um was very much entrenched in that world so it's just a very it's a very interesting world that we live in and dealing with kids trying to figure out how did how do what what is that balance of you know helping them be part of groups and develop themselves but also right not, not make it their whole life like unfortunately for me that you know that that was my experience as a child so um I don't know if anyone else has really small kids here or you know teenagers but you know, how are you balancing that? Because that, that's a that's a real thing that they that they really struggle with, mm-hmm. you know, culturally. We just moved overseas and then we were done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't have the sport. I wish I keep trying to convince my husband to move, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> the whole United States can't move to Mexico or wherever. <laughs> no. Yeah, that, that's such a tricky one because uh, like we were talking about the, the teamwork and, and some of the different valuable principles that can be learned in sports but one thing that was kind of popping in my head was uh just the the comments right before that of but it is it superficial is it a superficial type of teamwork that can be learned in a better way somewhere else and um but yeah how do we how do we navigate that and the social pressures and norms and um being a part of our community when that's all the community really kind of wants to do yeah so interesting yeah anna Um, I think from my perspective, how to navigate that, I do also have young children and I have a husband who doesn't care a lick about sports, but I grew up playing basketball and being very involved in sports. Um, and with it, it is really weird for me to like, even though I played all those sports to, to look at other people and they watch the Super Bowl or basketball games and it's I do consider it very much an idolatry thing because it's, you're not actually doing it. You're not experiencing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so it's just really odd just for people to put people on a pedestal like that. So I definitely would consider uh, idolatry, but even when you're experiencing it and you're playing whatever sport that there is a very, um, you do have a tendency to try to exalt yourself over someone else instead of like there's that fine line but there can be that line where you know I'm good at this this thing in whatever game and and, and I know per- that person's good at that thing and that seeing the value in that person even though they're not maybe on par with you mm-hmm. but you're not exalting yourself above anybody else when you're playing such and such game so yeah I do agree in a sense that you can make it a superficial thing but also it, it is, I think certain sports, you should be able to 
you know, play it not in an organized way because that's where all the money comes in and everything, but there's a value in it because you can see that you are completely different from all these other people who are surround you, but still value them for their differences and never get to the point where, well, I'm just better than you or even like the opposing team. And even in my own children, when they're riding their bikes with their kid or the neighborhood kids, there's such an easy tendency. Oh, I won. I won. I won. And I always tell them like, it's not necessarily about winning. It's about you are enjoying being with that person that you value them for that time that you spend. And I think just reading about the Jewish sect that I think Avraham mentions when they're out in the wilderness, they got to the point where they were all, there was a communion. They were all sharing it because nobody was better than anybody else. And I'm sure there are other people who are better at raising livestock than other people, but it's not about that. It's about seeing the value where those people are at at that time. And I think that can, that can translate over into sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. So that's my two cents. <laughs> you know, that's so great. Yeah. Alethea. So <clears throat> I had this thought I'd forgotten about when we lived in Panama, <clears throat> we started homeschooling. I homeschooled the two younger kids in Mexico city. And then we put them back in school in Panama. And then we pulled everyone out and homeschooled the last three. And, um, we started going, they have this place. It was called Nutre Hogar. Um, it was Panama's answer to the wick. So it wasn't an orphanage though. We called it an orphanage. Um, Mothers would have children and if they couldn't afford to feed them, the government didn't give them money or food because they were afraid the food would be sold. You know, it wouldn't go to the kids. So you would take your child to this Nutre Hogar and they would care for your child. They would feed them, bathe them. They live there like an orphanage. You could come and visit your child as much as you want. They could stay there till they were six years old. And then you had to choose, do I want to bring them home or do I want to adopt, have them adopted and go to an orphanage? There were some kids that were a little older. One, he had cerebral palsy and was in a wheelchair. He couldn't walk. And so he was there long-term. He was like 15. But we began going there once a week. And we always did it on Tuesdays. And we, that is one of our fondest memories as a family is going every Tuesday to give service. And I remember one day, it was a busy day. My daughter had horseback riding in the morning. Then we would come home, pick up the kids, go to Nutre Hogar. I would drop the daughter off and one of our sons right by there for um, tutoring. Then I would go home with my one son and we would have a little date, lunch, and then I would get dinner kind of ready. And then I would leave for the temple. And I worked at the temple that day. And my friend whose kids tutored my kids would drive those kids home and they would go to bed on their, you know, they'd be there till dad got home. Um, and they'd have to finish getting dinner ready. And my daughter, one day as we pulled up, got really angry. Why do we always do this? Why do we have to come here? We're so busy and just went on and on. And I just said, don't you ever say that. This is the way we give back for all the blessings that heavenly father has given to us. And she now is one of the most giving and loving and serving kids because of that. Like she realized, I'm like, they, Heavenly Father's relying on us to help. Um, but one of the best things that happened was that your Christmas was on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And um, it was interesting in the month of December, everybody was there. They had their video cameras, businesses, donating and the commercial apps. Yeah, all the photo ops for their business, right? Huh. And we went on Christmas so we just got stockings that year for Christmas. We were going to take a trip leaving the next day to a little remote island in Panama. And so we had made Christmas cookies and treats and little gifts. And we took it to the kids, which they'd been receiving gifts all, all December long. But we went that day and we took actually um, a couple that were temple workers from the States with us. They wanted to go spend Christmas with us there. And we went and we just spent all day. And you know what? nobody was there. Nobody with their cameras, nobody with the gifts, right? Just the Gulkies um, and the Broadbents. And it was a skeleton crew. And the women were so happy that we're there working. And the kids looked at us and they go, today is Christmas. Like they didn't even know. 
you know, because it had been Christmas all month long for them. And, and I think we stayed longer, you know, we usually spent two hours there, but I think we were there like three, three and a half hours that day. And still one of our sons was on a mission and, but the rest of the family, when we talk about what our favorite Christmas is, it was that Christmas at Nutra Hogar, you know, and only getting stockings for Christmas. Um, anyways, so maybe that's the answer. We came home and we haven't done any service since. Oh no, I did. I had my kids doing service. Um, but is that, is that the answer is to rather focus on bonding through service and having, having a Christ-like project as a family? I think you nailed it. Yeah. Bringing other people into, okay, here's another thing. Um, I saw, uh, Remember when all the Christians were being killed over, and they still are, but when it started about maybe five, six years ago now, I did hygiene kits and I got my stake doing it, my ward. I put it on Facebook. People sent me things. Um, I found where they could get them at Dollar Tree. They'd buy them. I'd go pick them up at Dollar Tree. And then we all gathered together. And my kids, I had two kids home at the time, and we made these these hygiene kits to send over to a, a we sent him to California to a group. Um, it's called, I think it was called Roads of Success. And they were sending pallets and things over and we shipped it to California and they took them over there. And that was something like my kids, those are the things that my kids remember actually, now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. I just did my own service project. Yeah, um, that on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because if you ask most people right do you remember individual aspects of of your sporting experience probably not you know kind of a general overview of this but like as i'm doing this yearbook project with our kind of hometown here um you know does anybody remember the scores or who won the homecoming game in such and such year not really (laughs) they just remember how fun it was to razz with the other teammates and stuff but but surface that one that one can stick with you you know when you're doing uh some of those things you you remember the feelings and uh, much that was felt there. Not saying that, you know, like not all sports are bad and, and things, but um, does it have a, a long term lasting effect in our memories? It, it's more of a in the moment gratification if it's being used in in the wrong way. And I, I'm just kind of trying to project forward. Like, okay, is there sports in in Zion? You know, Jackson County is there stadiums and and everything or is it all about service and uh, going out and being one with other people in in much different ways but <laughs> and can you learn teamwork doing service can you learn how to iron out differences can you look le- yeah can you learn all the same things that we talked about mm-hmm. can you exercise when you do it maybe I mean it, yeah. I mean we, we played ball we got on the floor with Adelio was a little kid that had cerebral palsy and we'd get on the floor and we'd hold the baby. I mean, you do things, not, not exercise, like, but there's things that you could do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just like Anna was saying earlier that, um, looking and trying to find the, the best qualities of people and, and, you know, the comparison is the thief of joy, but, but being able to, to recognize people's talents, God-given abilities, spiritual gifts, and, and things. Uh, sometimes it can manifest in, in sports, but uh, often Satan has its counterfeit. And um, but we can can find other ways to to find those uh, gifts and abilities and things. I've thought about that question a lot. Is there like sport or activity in Zion? And because <laughs> I am such a physical person, like the the idea that like I can't physically express myself or move, right? Like that that doesn't resonate. Like I can't. And so I often think of like Joseph Smith, like yeah. he was known to like do some pull grab, like, Hey, let's like, let's have some fun. Let's, you know, I, I think there's a, a joy in moving and in friendly competition and in, you know, those small little things. I, I don't think he was wicked for doing those things. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that they'll be organized for it, but I, I can't help but think that there is probably a lot of physicality somehow. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. But um yeah. So when we, talk, great example. when we talk about service, now I'm thinking about, and I've mentioned this before in other groups. 
um, and I don't know where it is right now. Um, I think it's in Mosiah, where we're told that if you want to retain a remission of your sins, you will feed the feed the hungry, clothe the naked, care for the poor. It's everywhere. And I think that's the thing that we, I mean, the church has now added it as the fourth uh, mission of the church, right? Is to take care of the poor and the needy. And so as, why is that? I think it's because as we take care of others, we learn the attributes of Christ, mm -hmm. right? You learn compassion, you learn love, you learn joy in giving and caring. It's not a pat on the back. I don't want you guys to think I told you those two stories about our family is a pat on the back because that wasn't it. It was more like an aha moment. But um, and as a, as a realization that that's maybe the answer. Um, but I, it's when you start really looking for giving service in the scriptures, caring for the poor and the need, it's everywhere and we don't realize it. And when I read that one scripture that said, if you desire to retain a remission of your sins, isn't that what we all want? Mm -hmm. That's the key right there is, is to care for others, to sucker others as Christ suckers us. Right. Mm -hmm. I love that. That makes so much sense. Like, as you're saying that, um, I'm thinking, um, how, because in doing so, our hearts are being changed. And, and I'm even, I, I was even imagining how, you know, okay, so take your, your family, your friends, or whoever, and you're serving with them, and uh, serving with them. And not only is it, it like, it's changing your heart, but it's also like, I'm, how could it not change your relationship with them for the better, right? Like in a genuine Christ-like way. And then, you know, I thinking like, again, like not saying like that playing and sport it, is bad. You know, I think that can have a, a good place and it can, and it can create bonds, but yet how many of us, you know, you know, do something a little less Christ-like in that sense, like of, you know, you play sport with your, with your family or a game. And, you know, you do have kind of that, again, I think it's a lower level bonding, you know, and you, you feel close to them, but then how quickly that can disappear when something trivial comes up and, and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're having family strife or, whatever I'm just so sorry I'm not making sense I just I just think again like it it can that changing of the heart and helping us see people in a more Christ-like way and you know kind of like Anna was saying like focusing on on their goodness and you know I mean you can have that in in other ways but yeah just the heart mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say yeah I love that so it's interesting because I didn't realize that pattern before yeah. was that because um, Satan always has a counterfeit, right? And if we have organized sports as the counterfeit, what's the original thing? And and it seems to be kind of service and and blessing others. And I, I would have never put those two at the, the opposite ends of the spectrum, but yet um, very interesting. So kind of answering Christy's question at the, at the beginning. How do you navigate that with kids and uh, uh, watching in particular sports, bonding with other people? It, I think it's going back to the original question, uh, like Anna said, that um, always asking yourself, why am I doing this? And if you find that it starts becoming into the, the negative category, then counteract it with, with the true purpose. Start reaching out, start serving. Um, and start recognizing other people's spiritual gifts and abilities and kind of cut away the, the competition, the negativity, the, the commercialism of it and, and really become Zion um, rather than the organized uh, materialistic sports that, that it can uh, become with excess kind of thing. But anyway, that, that's a whole new pattern that I've, I've never 
understood before or, or equated together. But that seems to kind of emerge from our conversation today. That's I'm super grateful for that. Well, you touched on something I was going to say, and that is, um, what are you building with sports? But when, what are you building with service? And that's Zion, right? That's the changing of your heart, becoming one heart, one mind. Um, that's the definition of Zion. And so when you are doing service, working together in service, you're building Zion. And that's what it's all about, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. Such interesting connections there <laughs> and kind of going I just was reading uh Coda's thing in, in the chat there uh this is probably applying to something very far back but um how do we do this as, as a church well start with a prayer in scripture <laughs> even if it's a sporting event start with a prayer in scripture you know mm -hmm. pray over those sugar-filled cream donuts <laughs> well that was the other thing I was laughing about sports how often do we pray and pray that we'll win yeah <laughs> that's the thing that matters yeah so anyways, yeah, I had thought about that earlier, but a true prayer is what we want, right? Not one, a sportsmanship prayer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. Well, any other kind of final things on organized sports? Any other thoughts or, or comments? Yeah, I got one. I, I've been biting myself not to tell this because <laughs> it's not, a, but this is, um, I I had aunt uh, that was just older than me, not too far, and we were very close. She was the youngest in the family, and um, and then we we each had daughters that were the same age, um, and they were best friends all growing up, and things were so good. And then high school hit, and both of these girls were very athletic in fact they were the the top players all through high school and uh that wasn't they did all the sports basketball volleyball track all of it and but there got to be such a competitiveness that it oh my gosh by the end of high school, I couldn't wait to get rid of the sports out of our lives because it was, it totally wrecked um, my daughter and her friend's relationship. They didn't even speak by the time they was done. And, uh, and my relationship with my aunt suffered greatly. I mean, it was horrible. And I, and as I watch other sports, any game, in, we live in a small town, so we know everyone and stuff. It seemed like any game that I went to, I could see the same stuff happening in other families and different things. It's something that's just, I wished I would have had the background that I have now, but I didn't. And uh, anyway, my my aunt's passed on now and can't do anything about that at this point, but that her daughter and there's no relationship between our family anymore and it, it suffered so bad. And I don't know. Why I just felt like I needed to tell that story, but it's it happened so innocently to start with, but it just mushroomed out of control. Mm -hmm. And I I didn't want to tell the story because I'm ashamed of that story. I hate that story, but it's part of my life. But anyway, if I had it to do over again, it I would do it so different. Yeah. That's the end of my story. <laughs> it's a sad story. I'm back next week for round two of Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Cameron, is there a chapter? Because we kind of touched on traditions. Is there a chapter on traditions? Um, 
Let's see. Okay, so going to... I don't have my book with me in Texas. Well, it's all kind of under that umbrella, but there's no specific one. So let me just read the, the contents really quick. So we've done uh, defining idolatry and then coexistence of true and false worship. Then images, violence and sex, pop music, organized sports, human idols, imaginations of the heart. So that one would probably be somewhat in, in the traditions there. Nature cults, which is going to be a fun week. Mammon of unrighteousness, the culture of Babylon. So that one could be traditions as well. Mm -hmm. um, the arm of flesh, elitism and Pharisaism, <laughs> Pharisaism and pollution of the temple. Okay. Yeah, so there's a couple that it would probably kind of fit under. Okay, good. Yeah, so um, next week, um, we'll be doing chapter seven. So human idols, which, you know, we've kind of touched on a little bit this week with um, sports, but uh, kind of looking at all human idols in its entirety there. Yeah, for next Saturday. And then the next Saturday after that, I'm going to be at Roots Tech. So we're going to have a bye week. So next week we'll be meeting, but the week after that, we're going to be gone. I'm leaving for the temple. Yes. <laughs> in 50 minutes, everything changed while we were in Brazil. And I got back on Thursday morning. I went yesterday and did initiatory. Um, and my son and his wife did ceilings. And we're going to go do, my husband and I are going to go do an endowment. So, so fun. Looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Like working in the temple. And there's still some people that are coming in that don't know that there's been any changes <laughs> whoa coming out of that thing shocked you know who's not on social media <laughs> yep. actually i found out from my sister so anyway yep. well awesome it's so good to see you guys i'm sorry i've been gone but it's been good to see you yeah it's been so fun so good to see you alethea love your comments thank you it, this was a really good one and i felt bad because i don't have I have the books somewhere here in Texas. I can't find it. I reordered them and they're in Idaho. I didn't mm. bring them with me. So, but I wanted to come anyway. So thank you guys. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> giving me a good start to the day. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll see everyone next week for, for chapter seven. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you. All right. Bye. Everyone. Bye. Bye.